0: John Danielson, Reader of Finance at London School of Economics. Um, thank you for being with us. Iceland was traditionally um, a fishing and agricultural society, so um, what was caused the switch to um, and enthusiasm for banking in the previous years and uh, financial liberalisation? I mean,
1: there's probably a single word that's explicit called greed. So they came into this crisis being the fifth richest country in the world doing quite well at the turn of the century and then for some reason they decided that they were going to get they wanted more money they decided to turn themselves effectively into a gigantic hedge fund in the middle of the North Atlantic and as a consequence they proceeded to take increasing levels of risk to try to generate increasing levels of profit I think this lost sight of what 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 are were supposed to do and to, I mean, when the, money, when the money was rolling in, sort yes. of all the past, say, 10 years, I think everybody was ecstatic. It was like a gigantic party, the whole country was participating. Everybody was borrowing money and seeing the value of the loans drop. Everybody was enjoying high salaries, high level of consumption. Everybody was buying expensive cars, building big houses, taking expensive holidays. And it was really like a gigantic party, but they really... Do doing exactly what people do when they borrow on the credit credit cards to spend money, so, so so they were happy while it lasted. And of course like all good parties it comes to an end and now they're dealing with the hangover
0: that comes afterwards. I think in 2005 um, the Icelandic Prime Minister, President, sorry, he did a, made a speech in um, London giving um, business lessons to um, mm-hmm. British leaders, uh, financial leaders, and uh, one of the things he said was that Iceland um, was a nation of risk takers. Um, I mean, do you think this is um, one of the reasons they got themselves into a mess that they uh, allowed it to go too far? Is it something um, that you see uh, inherent in Icelandic society or the national psyche? I mean,
1: traditionally Iceland is a country of farmers and of fishermen, and the fishermen are especially used to having to take, make split-second decisions on whether to go out to sea or not to go out to sea, what to catch and what or what to catch. So really, the, the culture has been quick decision making really often without too much consultation, without too much sort of investigation and they came into this all the indications are that they came into this Get, uh, getting into the field of international finance without really having done uh, the due diligence that, that other countries did. We have to remember that a country like the UK or Luxembourg or Switzerland, all very wealthy countries, Luxembourg being the richest country in the world, all based on banking. But all of these countries, they have a long tradition of running a financial system well, a few hundred years. so everybody within the system, be it it government, be it the regulators, be it the bankers, they have a culture of running a financial system, so they understand it's ingrained in the culture in all these countries on on the the risk inherent in in a financial system, and therefore they both learn how to Treat, treat these risks carefully, how to, how to plan ahead and how to regulate the system. The Icelanders had no such experience, and they decided to do this 10 years ago with nobody. No, nobody in the government, not the regulator, not the bankers, had the faintest idea what it meant to run a bank. What really happened was that anybody that decided to start investing, you say, at the turn of the century, they made money because prices and markets were generally going up. So anybody going into the field of finance, they made money, regardless of how smart they were, or how good they were or anything, because the markets kept on going up. And they seemed to have, they got into this business at the time when everything was going up, and that seemed to have gone slightly to their head. and, and, and they, they did not really realize that they were only benefiting from the increase in prices in markets, there was no special business acumen. On the contrary, they seem to have been quite bad businessmen and they seem to have not have understood understood what they were getting into, made spectacularly bad investment decisions
0: and that's which is, which is really come to haunt them right now. How do you think um, this growth in the banking sector and the growth in wealth? how do you think that changed um Icelandic society, did it um, change the attitude of people towards um, making money or even um, their idea of economics?
1: Um, I mean Iceland has always been a very very close society, family is very important, culture is very important and level of materialism problem would be typical of, of, of any other place what really happened was that when everything was going up money money and wealth and assets became the predominant thing you, you were measured not in, in the old days you were measured by who, who your family was what your job yes. was etc and that and those things mattered. now it seemed to the only measure of a person's worth was their income was the wealth and so it sort of did seem for a while, it was up and things for the traditional values of the country, but fortunately, after the crisis, it seems like the 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 old values have come back. And now, what matters to people is is more person more the personal values is is, is your family, what you're doing, what you've done good, and money has ceased to become the
0: primary important factor in good lives. Do you think uh, the crisis has? Um Created a large change in people's priorities, um, back to um, basic Icelandic values which existed in the past. I mean, it it is clear that people have gone,
1: Icelanders have gone back to the way things were before. A slight unfortunate consequence of this is that the country has started to look much more inwards. So, the, the amount of foreign news and the media has dropped drastically since the crisis. And I fear that the generation now growing up my end up being the most isolationist generation in a very long time. Pe- people looking inwards, and I think that's, that's, that's dangerous for the long term. But that really has seems to be one of the reactions to the
0: crisis. Talking about the long term repercussions, um, what do you think uh, in terms of the economy, um, what the, the prospects are for um, Iceland? Um, over the next uh, couple of decades or so. Um,
1: They have come out of this remarkably well considering everything. So I mean, it looked like one year ago when everything collapsed that they were going to be the worst worst affected country by the crisis. They were clearly hit by the worst shock, but I think things did not get as bad as it was feared. And other countries have been much worse affected by the global crisis, surprisingly. Now, what, what, what in my mind there are really three things that are are positive or what have helped them to get out of this and will help them in the future first of all the government finances before the crisis were quite healthy, the government did not have a lot of debt, it did not run deficits, which meant that when things got really bad, they were able to spend vast amounts of money to deal with this. And that is something in the most other countries you could not do on the same, on the same magnitude. So it's really the fact that the, 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 it's really the, the solid government finances prior to the crisis are turning to be quite a half right now. The second factor helping them is the, is the population is surprisingly stoic. In most of the countries, if such an event are hit, you would have seen widespread riots on the streets, imagine a revolution, you would have seen uh, quite high levels of civil unrest. There, it seems like people to say, we were hit by a really bad event. We, need to, we all need to stick together to cope with this. And in a way, it is showing some of the best sides of the population how they are dealing with the crisis, how, the, how, the, how the, almost the entire country has come together to, to cope. People do complain, but they do accept the fact that the salaries have dropped by quite considerably, that the living standards dropped, the fact they're not taking foreign holidays. People grumble, but it's been accepted. The last factor helping them is. Of course, one of the reasons that got them into this mess in the first place is the fact that the currency has dropped in value by 40% or more, which means that the value... Actually, used to be one of the most expensive countries in the world, and now it's one of the cheapest. So the people have... To, to, to a considerable extent stopped importing, buying foreign goods, they stopped buying domestic goods. This means that domestic producers of products, be it food, be it holidays, be it whatever, they're doing quite well and exports are booming. So so, so that just the fact that the currency dropped some is really helping them pull out of this. So all these three factors together, the, the low levels of debt before the crisis, the stoic nature of the population and the fall currency they are helping pull out uh, pull out of this and I fully expect that within this span of uh, a very few years they will be back on track and within a decade or two they'll be one of the richest countries in the world again
0: Back in October 2008 um, Gordon Brown seized the assets mm-hmm. of um, the Icelandic um, banks in the UK and um, since then, there's been a rather perceived antagonistic attitude towards um, perhaps people in Britain and the Netherlands. Um, do you see um, that there is maybe um, a resent, some kind of resentfulness towards um, Europe and uh, maybe Britain in particular? Um, can you see this as a lingering resentment which will carry on in the? Icelandic psyche? I
1: think the Icelanders, by and large, they blame their own, blame themselves, they blame their own leaders, their own bankers, their own government for what happened, not foreigners. There is of course lingering resentment, primarily what has gotten people upset is the fact that the UK used anti-terrorism laws to take over the Icelandic banks. As it turned out, the U.K. was woefully ill-prepared for dealing with an event of these magnitudes. This is not the only only example of of the lack of of preparedness in the U.K. to the crisis. And the only legal remedy happened to be anti-terrorism laws. But that meant that for a while you could see the government of Iceland, the Central Bank of Iceland, being placed on a list uh, alongside of North Korea and Al-Qaeda in Iran. And yes. that really got that is a single fact that got people upset because they always had thought that they were valuable members of the west of the Western society. They were valuable members of NATO, and they respected. And all of all of a sudden, they felt themselves to be outcast. And that is a single fact that has caused resentments to the to the outside world. But I think, by and large, though, it is and it is understood that this is a domestically created crisis, and not created by foreigners.
0: How do you see the reordering of um, domestic industries? I mean, do you see people um, working in, um, in businesses which aren't so global in their reach um, anymore, so less um, finance and uh, multinational? I mean, that is, that is very difficult to say
1: because yes. on one hand, of course, Iceland is one of the most highly educated countries in the world. Yes. It values education almost more than anything else. So, so if you have, and of course, it's also, also one of the youngest countries, definitely in Europe. Yes. So if you combine the fact that you have highly educated, risk-taking young people, then that will mean that they will find a way to generate new industries. Now, I, there is no way we can predict what people will do, but I am convinced that with with that type of population they will find something, they will find high tech industries, they will find niche niche, niche areas to work in and and what they have done well in the past is that they found narrow specialized areas and and become a dominant players within a narrow area but because the country is so small, that is sufficient to to generate high levels of wealth and I'm convinced they will find something but we can't predict right now
0: what that will be So I mean would you say that uh, Iceland is a very small country, it's got the population of, say, Southampton, um, so would you say the fact that it's a small, homogeneous country, do you think this works to its advantage in terms of um, business because um, entrepreneurs are perhaps uh, able to form uh, networks far more easily than uh, in a large country like the United States perhaps? It
1: works for them and it works against them. On one hand Icelanders have a very sort of, what you could say, positive attitude towards risk. Yes. So most of, in, in Europe definitely there is this perception that if you fail in business you will not be given a second chance while in the United States the perception is if, if you fail in business you learned a valuable lesson and therefore I would like to invest with you in the future. And the Icelanders have the U.S. attitude towards the risk and not really the European attitude on this level. And so that, that is positive in helping to grow. But that also is a key factor in getting them into the mess with the banking. So they, they, pick, they, they did pick the wrong, wrong sector. But the fact that it's a small country, everybody knows everybody, does make it easier in some ways to find people to run companies to take risk. On the other hand, it means that the talent pool is quite small. It can be very difficult to find qualified people to run key areas. And one thing one area that's really suffered in the, in Iceland is government. So by and large government employee people go to the government employee had not maybe been of the same caliber you would see in the UK. And clearly the high levels of the government in Iceland you do you do not have you do not see the same caliber individuals as you see in bigger countries, mm. and the shallow talent pool and the lack of lack of high, highly qualified individuals that is one thing that holds them that might hold them
0: back. A lot of Icelandic um, business and also politics was um, considered to be a very male-dominated uh, area, um, especially in the very high positions. And um, since the crisis, you now have the first. Um, female um, leader in the country, uh, first openly gay um, leader in the world, and um, many more women seem to be in um, positions of business. And in fact, um, I think I'm right in saying um, one of the investment firms in Iceland is almost completely run by bit, uh, women, which is still profitable. So how do you think um, the financial crisis affected um, gender relations um, at the higher levels of authority in Iceland? Um, I mean, this
1: is very difficult to predict. With, with the crisis, a lot of doors that are open to people, I mean, women and, and, and men equally, have been opened. So, a lot of people have been pushed out of the position that has that, that, that made, made an opening for new individuals to come in. And of course, I mean, probably, on average, that does benefit women more than men, because of course, as you said, a lot of high-level positions tended to be more male-dominated. But I think it's a very egalitarian society, and uh, I, I would, and it's probably well on the way of achieving a gender balance in top positions, which would have been envied to the rest of the world, anyways. Yes. And this has just made the process
0: slightly faster. John Danielson, thank you very much.